0: I am really grateful to uh, join them today. You've heard about a rose between th- two thorns. This is the opposite. This is a thorn between two roses tonight. So I'm, I'm really grateful to join them. Sister Colleen, welcome. We're so glad to have you here.
1: Thank you, sir. It's an honor to be here.
0: It's an honor to have you. And Sister Lynn, it's an honor to have you as well. You've been here for a little bit of time.
2: I sure have, but it's so great to be in the church building.
0: It isn't it? It's wonderful. Well, I think we'll start there. By the way, if you've got questions for these wonderful missionaries, you can text them in to 506-449-5301, and we'll get to as many questions as we have time for, and that's anybody anywhere. If you're watching and you've got a question, you're welcome to do that as well. Ladies, uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, travel restrictions, missionaries trying to deputize, trying to get back home to deputize. Sister Colleen, let's start with you. How's that affected you?
1: Well, um, coronavirus put quite the wrench in things. Uh, I was in the middle of transitioning to Gabon and um, trying to get a container with all of my belongings to Gabon and had to pack up the house in Ghana and quickly get out. Um, I had about three days after I knew that I was moving out of the apartment, I knew that my rent was up, et But within about three days, I was on an evacuation flight with the Canadian uh, com- um, embassy. And uh, after about 30 some hours, I arrived in Fredericton of travel. And so um, then after I was here about a month, I found out that my container had eventually cleared and was in my apartment. So I have belongings in Gabon, um, but because I had to leave so quickly out of Ghana, there's not the closure oh, that wow. needed to come um, from that nation, and you'll never, it, it's, it's just, I don't know where I belong, That's because now be when I actually say I'm the missionary, <laughs> I'll say I'm the missionary to ga whoa, no, no, I'm the missionary to Gabon. And I, it's, I haven't, there's no closure. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting process, but God's in control.
0: (laughs) You're, you are transitioning fields. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Did you, had you traveled there quite a bit and, and got a burden that way? Is it, uh, uh, how did you end up feeling for Gabon?
1: When I went back to Ghana, In 2015, for the second term, I knew in my spirit that that was my last term in Ghana. I had no idea where I was going, and I actually visited another nation, thinking that that was the will of God, and God shut that door, Mm -hmm. and opened the door um, through leadership, just saying, you know what, would you pray about this country? And I began to pray about it, and immediate peace. Wow. Immediate peace that I knew that this was where I should be going. So after 20 years in the nation of Ghana um, We're going switching uh, comfort zones completely Ghana is ruled by Britain. It is English and the church is over 50 years old We're going to a country that the population of the whole country can fit into the city of Accra three times Um, and It's French and under the France rule, uh-huh. and so we have totally stepped out of the comfort zone, but again, God's in control. The hand
0: of the Lord. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, the will of God.
0: And, and something you said that means a lot to me is that, um, you know, it came about through leadership, and of course, leadership in global missions, and, mm-hmm. and those that, that you're uh, accountable to. But so often God speaks like that to us he does. through, uh, you know, I, I've often said to young ministers that God called Paul and Paul called Timothy. Yes. It, was, it was through Paul's ministry that Timothy ended up not only being a Christian, but being in the church. And so that's that happens a lot. Uh, people walking through doors that, that leadership kind of points the way, even if we're a missionary.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's very important to listen to leadership.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, Sister Lynn, um, you're still in Guatemala, but you're not in Guatemala, you've been here for a while. So tell us about your little coronavirus uh, escapades and adventures.
2: Well, I had planned to come uh, to Canada for a a few weeks before starting deputation. And I planned to leave on a Tuesday. And we got word the country was closing down, no more flights, it would be total lockdown. So I immediately changed my ticket to leave on Monday and got out on the last day. And um, it took four days, That was Monday, I got here on Friday. It took me all that week to get enough tickets to get to here because every ticket I bought was cancelled. And so I bought literally seven sets of tickets. Six of them got canceled, and some of them like the, the night before, and I had my boarding pass, and I go to to check on it, and it no longer exists. So I ended up buying a ticket to Bangalore, Maine, and renting a car and driving across the border. I figure at least that might work, well, and it worked. it worked, but I didn't know what was going to happen to this rent-a-car for 14 days quarantine, but uh, Enterprise... I have my business for life because they came then the, well actually Eric took the keys to them the next day and they only charged me one day wow. and it had to be for locked for four days for protocols or whatnot and they came and picked it up awesome
0: that's,
2: that is pretty amazing that's a typical
0: so that was, story is what that is
2: God is just so good so that was in March we're now in June um uh, this week I was supposed to be in Indiana. This is my second week of deputation in Indiana, but this isn't Indiana. No, it's <laughs> I'm still not. in Canada. But at the beginning of the year, I asked the Lord for a word. Lord, what is the word for me for this year? And the word he gave me was trust. Hmm. And so I remind myself, probably on a daily basis, mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust that this is going to be okay. You know, he knows the end from the beginning. Coronavirus did not surprise him. I mean, in January, we could not have imagined that there that's would only be 50 people in church tonight. We couldn't have even dreamed that up in our craziest nightmare. Right. But God knew. God knew. And so we've just got to trust that God knows where we are. And that's always been my little theme God knows where I am, where I need to be, and when I need to get there. Mm -hmm. So I'm trusting this deputation. He knows where I am. He knows where I need to be. And he knows when I need to get there.
0: That's very good. Well, we're hoping that this service tonight, for all of you that are watching online, Mm -hmm. we want to give a wonderful, generous missionary offering tonight to these ladies and help them kind of catch up on some of this coronavirus delay and it may just be that the Lord's arranged this so that CCC and some of our friends online can help bless them and catch up. So if you're watching, keep that in mind as you're watching tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking a little bit before service, the three of us. Um, both of you have had a long-standing relationship with our church as you've been missionaries. So, um, Sister Colleen, you said, uh, well, you can tell them.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Um... As an aimer, uh, this church was actually the only church that took me on as a partner. And so um, my longest standing partner in my whole life as any type of missions, aimer or full-time missionary, has been Capital Community Church. So thank you very much, each and every one of you, um, for your faithfulness.
0: Well, we're grateful for I can count
1: on this church.
0: Yes, you can. Amen. And Sister Lynn, uh, you've been at it a little while too.
2: Yes, you have been. I checked on my lists and my uh, reports since 1998. This church has been my faithful partner. And not only the church, but several families also support support personally and on top of that the church supports our children's home and families support our children's home so like you are my most favorite people in all the world (laughs) I promise you folks have been so good to us and can I go ahead oh yeah Um, not only have you been partners for years and years and years and eons but apart from that, just in these last few months, because of this virus, this church has given so much to help the Guatemala Relief Fund. I just need to say personally, we so appreciate it. I know that um, Brother Brad has been able to give out bags of food to over 3,200 families, 78 um, different I want to remember what I'm saying this right. 78 different churches that received food as well. And I believe there were 34 smaller churches that received funds to be able to um, pay the rent and be able to keep their building so they didn't lose their building when they had no income. Wow. You folks helped make all of that happened. And we so appreciate all that you've done and all those really around the world that have given towards this. And you've really made a difference to our people that they didn't have to wave the white flag and say that they were starving. So God has been good. And you've been a big part of that.
0: I'm so grateful. And I'm so proud of all of our CCC folks and and people that have a heart for missions. Uh, Sister Lynn, here's a question somebody sent in, um, and this is kind of a technical, kind of financial question. Is it better to give directly to Home International or to youth as a missionary through the UPCI, or does it matter? What's, what's best, easiest?
2: Well, it depends if it's a monthly partnership. Mm-hmm. So that would be definitely through global missions, and we have a partner. You can be a partner with home, and you can be a partner with me as a missionary. Oh, that's
0: right. Okay, and right. so
2: both they're two separate things, and both okay. we'll just take your money any way you send it. That'd just be <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> Good. Um, also, like for projects, yes, um, we can send through the church. We can do mm-hmm.
0: that. Okay.
2: Or you can send me a message as well. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, so somebody that's wanting to give. Uh, through uh, Global Missions, through your church, and I think that's probably the intent of the question, is uh, you can uh, give either directly to Home International because you can take them as a partner if you want to give monthly or you can give an offering to them if you wanted to through Global Missions. So if you're part of a church and you want to give a donation through your church, you can do that, and uh, they would be so grateful for it regardless. Absolutely. Uh Awesome. (laughs) Um, Sister Colleen, uh, did, did... uh, the whole virus situation hit uh, Ghana or Gabon uh, really hard or, do you, are, you know, I know you it get out actually, of there very quickly. It um,
1: actually, it hit all of Africa pretty hard. Um, the last I saw for Ghana, we had over 6,000 cases. Um, but keep in mind, we also have almost the whole population of Canada mm. in the nation of Ghana. Right. Right. Um, It didn't hit as hard in Gabon, but it still hit with, when you look at the percentage of the people to how many are sick, it's almost the same, or at least it was the last time I checked, um, for the two countries. We do, one thing that is in the favor of any country in West Africa is the heat. And they say that the virus does not grow as rapidly because it's so hot. And so that actually worked in the favor of the people. So a lot of the cases were actually mild Mm -hmm. and not so severe, although we still did have some deaths. Yes. Um, But I'm not convinced that they were all dying of COVID. Sure. That there are so many other diseases that we have. Um, The water is impure. Malaria is rampant. Um, we have so many different things that take place in the nation on a regular basis that take lives. Mm-hmm. So COVID was being blamed, but myself, as someone that's lived there for 20 years, I'm not convinced sure. that everyone died of COVID. Yeah, there's,
0: there's so many other things. Yes, sir. Uh, leaving that for a minute, one of the questions that came in is uh, is this, and I think we'll, we'll just kind of, we'll stay with you for a moment, Sister Colleen. Um, Have you ever had an experience, so moving away from the whole virus thing, which is so recent for all of us, have you ever had an experience in your ministry that made you want to give up, and how did you work through that? That's a great question, isn't it? Can I answer that question? No, I'm teasing. We're talking to our missionaries.
1: February um, 2014, uh, I was in an accident in the nation of Ghana, and actually struck someone with my vehicle. They ran out in front of me. I could not get stopped. Mm. Um, I stood with both feet on the brakes trying to get the car stopped. It was impossible, so I hit them. They went flying into the cement gutter. And I stopped, which everyone thought I was crazy for actually stopping um, because you just normally hit and go... Like, you don't stop. And I just couldn't live with myself if I didn't stop. And so I stopped, and it was a young 13-year-old girl that I had actually struck with my car. And she should be dead um, because I still, when I sold the car to come home, uh, it still had the mark on the bumper where the cattle bar had scraped the bumper when she hit the front of the car. Or the car hit her, I should say. Um, That was probably the most tragic and detrimental time in my ministry. That if someone had told me I could come home.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: If anyone had just said go home, I'd have got the first ticket out and thrown in the towel. Um, It took me probably, well, just before I left Ghana... Uh, there was the last trigger because you can deal with it, you can go to counseling, you can get help. Um, And I did that. And some people actually frowned down on that thinking as a Christian you should be strong, you shouldn't need counseling. Um, I knew I couldn't make it on my own. Mm -hmm. And so I went and talked to a Christian counselor that was actually, her whole job was to help missionaries and those that are on the foreign field, through traumatic situations. And so I talked to her and said, listen, I I can't carry this. I can't. I have got to get over this. And um, and so this is February. I'm coming home in April for deputation last time. And so I had to deal with this, but I dealt with it throughout um, all of deputation last year, last time. And then even into this past term, And when I went to visit the country that I thought that would be the will of God for me to go there, I'm in prayer in the hotel room, and I said, okay, God, why did you bring me here? And I just couldn't figure out when he closed the door, why did you take me to that country? And I was in, if I could take you to my apartment in Ghana where I lived, I was sitting there holding my coffee, sitting on the couch, and just talking to the Lord. Like, you don't have to answer me, God, but if you would, <laughs> I'd mm. appreciate it. Why did you take me there? And as, as if someone sat down beside me and said, I took you there so you would know you were healed. Wow. And that's the only reason why he took me to visit that country. So then I could move on. And once I knew I was healed, the door opened for Gabal. Mm, uh-uh. But I'm going to be there alone. I'm the only missionary, the first resident missionary to actually live in the country. I'm not the first appointed, but the first resident missionary to the nation of Gabon. And so I would not have been able to go there and live by myself Mm -hmm. had I not healed. Wow. And so um, what I learned through that is absolutely amazing.
0: Absolutely. And
1: it's life-changing. Your your pain will become your platform. And the amount of people that I have helped and talked to, um, obviously, I, I'm not going to disclose any of the information because sure. it's confidential. But messages I get, Sister Carter, how did you get through this? What happened? Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And... Tears streaming down your face. You try and call them or text them or whatever because it brings back the memory again. Um, But just before I left Ghana, there was um, a time when I went into the mall. And there was a crowd. And I became very, like, almost nervous. Mm -hmm. And then I went home and I thought, what is wrong with me? Why would that, like, I'm in a country of over, you know, 28 million people. Why would that make me nervous and it was the very last trigger that when I had got out of the car at the accident, I was immediately mobbed, like Mm -hmm. surrounded and when I was surrounded in the mall it took me back just for a second and that was a number of years later but then I realized, okay I'm okay, it's all right. so if I could say something to anyone listening don't be ashamed to get help
0: Right, absolutely.
1: Don't be too big to say, okay, I can't make it on my own. I have got to have help. Yes, absolutely. And if you'll do that, the Lord will give you the strength to get through. If I had a PIM for every Kleenex I've used (laughs) since 2014, brother, we wouldn't be home on deputation.
0: Yeah, you could support every missionary. I
1: could support them all, and we'd all be all right. That's funny. So...
0: You know, you mentioned something about the crowd, and for anybody that didn't catch it, that's why she said, you know, most people would just, if they had an accident, they'd just keep going because uh, a crowd can gather and literally mob you, and it can be extremely, extremely dangerous. It is. And that's why most people would have kept on going, uh, but you you had the courage to get out. But that doesn't mean you don't have to deal with the after effects of it uh, later. And But that's very, very profound words, uh, and that your pain, be- can become your platform later. Uh, there's a statement I, I've heard Pastor Jack make many times: God never wastes a hurt, no. and uh, He can He can use that hurt for something much greater later. And so, thank you for that, Sister Lynn. Uh, you, I, I, you know, you've been at this missions thing for a while, and uh, w- when you started, uh, like Sister Colleen, you didn't have a lot of resources, and it's kind of developed from there. And you've walked through God's open doors, but. What are some uh, traumatic or painful things that you've uh, had to overcome in, in your ministry? I think some people look at missionaries and they think, well, they're spiritual giants. They never have a bad day or an off day. Or, um, But if we think about it for a while, we know we all serve God through our frailties as human beings. So comment on that. What, what are some battles you've had or some situations you faced and how did you overcome that?
2: Well, I think... With me, I do have one certain instance that was big in my world. You know, when you've been robbed over 200 times and you just quit counting after that, you <laughs> just kind of give up. And, and sometimes it gets weary. I bet. It's like, again? But I think the one that really bothered me was the time I was carjacked and the gun to the head, like this uh. far from my forehead, And I really questioned God for a whole year. Why? Hmm. I wasn't mad at him. I wasn't angry. And it wasn't every day or every instant. But every, every few days, I'd think about it and say, so, Lord, where were you? Like, did you just, where were my angels? Why did my car have to get stolen? Why wasn't it somebody else's? Like, why didn't you take the car parked across the street? And why mine? Where were you? And mm. I remember being very frustrated and feeling like I was left alone again. That's how I felt. Mm. But it was a, a year, 12 whole months. And it just so happened that I went to a, a ladies in ministry of all different denominations a conference. And there was a, a table where missionary ladies uh, were having conversations and you chose different topics like uh, homeschooling moms or dealing with aging parents and you live overseas and that's another topic <laughs> but uh, the one I sat w- at was living in a violent nation or uh, yes yeah, serving God, serving in a violent nation mm-hmm. something like that and I sat there and everyone were telling their stories about they were afraid they might get robbed and I was like okay <laughs> and uh, uh. you probably will be dear <laughs> if you're living here <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and they you know they were telling their fears and all of this and they got to me and by the time it got to me of course I was last I was already in tears because I said to them, you know I just don't understand the why he left me and I told the story about the gun to my head and Taking my She's for Christ car and handing my keys over, and then him trying to take my money, and I was not given that. That (laughs) belonged, that was the Lord's money, and they weren't having it. (laughs) So I threw that in the bushes behind me so they couldn't get it. But um, they could have my money, but not the money that our local people had raised. And it was church money. It belonged to the Lord. And I wasn't giving to a robber. Like, that just wasn't in my <laughs> thinking. Probably wasn't the brightest thing I ever did. But anyway, the Lord knew my heart. That's all I can say. <laughs> but I Your honestly, angels I'm, work <laughs> overtime. <laughs> yeah. Yes, probably. But anyway, I'm making the story long. Um, a lady that was sitting beside me, her name was Amy. She'd been in Guatemala for 18 months. She had a four-year-old little boy. She looked me in the eye. She took my hands, and she said, I know why. And I'm just bawling my head off by then, going, please tell me why. And she said, because I have questioned the Lord for one year. If I ever had a gun to my head or my child was kidnapped, Would the calling on my life be enough to keep me here? Or would I throw in the towel, pack my bags, and Mm -hmm. run? And she said, you stayed. I stay. Hmm. And in that moment, the Lord showed me that I stood in her place. Hmm. God trusted me. He trusted me with that circumstance Mm -mm. that I wouldn't pack my bags and run. The calling on my life was big enough. Yeah. To be honest, it never occurred to me.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: It just didn't. I didn't even think of it. That it was a possibility. But I just didn't. But God was in it. And her answer, the Lord just showed me that, you know what? I was in it and I was there. And I really, then of course, you know, I had to repent and tell the Lord I was sorry for <laughs> every question and, you know, I didn't die. So obviously he did do something.
0: <laughs> We're glad you're still here, that's for sure. That's amazing. Let, let me segue to another question that uh, just came in. Um, and I think it fits r- well right here. Um, what are some of the challenges of being a, a female, a female voice is the way the question's, uh, worded. What are some of the challenges of being a female voice, a female leader, a female missionary uh, in uh, the mission field and in the apostolic movement? What are some of the challenges? Just keep on going. You're, you're doing good.
2: <laughs> well, especially in Central America, it's a macho kind of world. But you can always find a place. And the Lord opens doors. The more that you are faithful, the more that you find to do, the more doors open. Mm -hmm. And so I found teaching in Bible school, I'm training and teaching those that will be the pastors. Mm. So when I go visit a church that I taught him, that student who's now been a pastor for 10, 15, 20 years, he has respect for me because. I'm the one that taught him about being faithful to God and paying his yes. tithes. Yep. So when you, are, you respect them and you be faithful and you live for God before them, then that example, I think, goes before you mm-hmm. and you just stay faithful, stay firm, and be kind. And you don't push your way into a man's world The Lord made us female, and we have our place. And, you know, you can always find things to do. So teaching in the Bible school, I think, is huge Mm -hmm. because you earned their respect. Yes. And that's all you need. Yeah. You know, you can can go anywhere. And, of course, working in children's ministry is totally acceptable for a woman, Mm -hmm. which that's where I have been is children's ministries. Um, ladies ministries is totally acceptable, but by teaching in the Bible school, you get more of an opportunity to speak into the lives of the ministry and they end up with a real respect for your walk with God. For sure. And when God moves into a classroom that you've been teaching, they remember that. Mm -hmm. So it's not that a woman can't have a ministry in a macho world. You let the Lord open the doors. Yeah. And he will.
0: Very good. That's very good. Um, Sister Colleen, I want to swing around and give that same question to you. I just want to remind everybody that's watching online, if you'd like to support these two missionaries tonight, this is a mission service, and I know it's different in the world of COVID-19 that we're online only, and uh, we've just got a handful here in the building. But if you'd like to support them, uh, you can go online to capitalcommunity.ca/give. All of our giving options are there, and uh, we're going to raise an offering for both of them. Whatever comes in, we're going to divide it between them and bless both of them tonight, and we're excited about doing that. And also, if you've got further questions, uh, you can text them to 506-449-5301. Sister Colleen, uh, your comment on being a a female in in a a culture in, in Africa, it would be very similar to Latin America in some ways, I think.
1: It is. It is a very male-dominated society. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can, if I can just come right along in, besides what Sister Jewett has just said, if you allow the Lord to open the doors, he will take you places that you never thought possible. When I went to Ghana in 2000, um, I actually refused to teach because I didn't feel that I was capable of training pastors mm-hmm. i myself had just graduated northeast christian college in 99 and so i was like no i will step back but it was at the request of the national board mm-hmm. that i teach my second term when i went back as an aimer in 2001. so in august of 2001 i began teaching in the bible school and we had a conference probably about five years ago now. And I just said to Brother uh, Nikki Sisko, the other missionary, my colleague, um, I just said to him, I said, would you ask those that have graduated since 2001 to stand? (laughs) I was just curious. And about 75% of the room stood to their feet. I had taught all of them. So even though I most of my ministry is behind the scenes in the printing office, preparing the materials to be taught, or I'm in front of the classroom teaching, I actually have a hand in almost every church in the nation. Amazing. Because of my work behind the scenes. So if you allow the Lord to be the one in charge, (laughs) you can go places where you... Absolutely didn't think you would ever go because now um, the door has opened for Gabon and I will actually be the director of the Bible school yes. that's being built. Wow. And so still my whole ministry, uh, someone asked me one time to summarize my ministry in one word and I thought, oh my word, wow, <laughs> how do you do that? Um, but it's training. hmm I am either in the office preparing the materials to be taught or I'm in the classroom teaching. And so even to the point that regional teaching ministry was added to my appointment, so I don't just teach in the country that I am appointed to. I can go anywhere in Africa and teach. Wow. So just this last couple of years, like I went to Ivory Coast, Mauritius, Reunion, Togo, Benin. So I'm not just teaching Bible school or ladies' conferences or children's seminars in my country of appointment, but all over Africa. Yeah. And so it's when you allow the Lord to do it and just very patiently wait for him to be the one to say go. Yeah. If you p- push it yourself, you're going to fall. You're yeah. going to fail. But when God opens the door, take off running. That's
0: awesome. Um, one really quick question here. Uh, did you find the money in the bushes later? Yes. Okay, good. So whoever asked that. We have a wonderful question here from Jamaica. Welcome, Jamaica, to our service tonight. Oh, wow. um, at what point did you know that the mission field was your calling? Colleen?
1: Oh, wow. Um, At seven years old, I began writing letters to brother and sister Corcoran, missionaries to Pakistan at the time. Um, So my whole missions work started with a Christmas card to a missionary that was from New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she wrote back. We developed a relationship to where I just went to visit her a couple of weeks ago. And um, basically, I just looked to her as a missionary mother to me and The age of 14, junior camp, Um, if I could take you to the church in Harcourt, Whispering Pines Bible Camp, I remember the service where I turned around and looked my mother in the eye and said, I am going to be a missionary. I felt the definite call of God upon my life. Um, I was in third year Bible school here at Northeast Christian College when my brother went to Because of the Times, and he was working with... um, Pastor Henry Patra and Bathurst at the time, they went to meet up with the poitresses and they're talking. the guys are talking. She's praying, I need help. I'm praying God, where? And the guys get together and talk. And my brother mentions, "I have a sister that's graduating from Bible college, has a call of God on her life. Would you consider her coming to Ghana? He brought the bookmark to me. I put it in my Bible. Brother Arden Bustard was the pastor here at the time. Mm -hmm. And I really can't tell you the the title of his sermon or what scripture he used. But the whole theme of what he was saying is um, lay yourself on the altar, give your all to God. And so as soon as the altar call was given, um, there used to be a banister on this side. That's right. And I brought my Bible and I laid it on the altar. And so this church has a major memorial in my life, Hmm. right Right there, because um, I laid myself on top of the Bible and just, you know, blatting and squalling and going. <laughs> it. But it was like, I'll go and I'll never look back. Wow. And um, Monday morning, I called Brother Poitras, began the process of AIM application, passport. had no idea how to get one of those, but he told me how. <laughs> and we figured it out. I went downtown Fredericton and started the process like that week. Amazing. And so when I graduated from Bible school in April, I had already the plans of going to Ghana. I was appointed as an wow, aimer
0: That's amazing. So, by the way, it just it just occurs to me to say to anybody watching from outside of New Brunswick, Canada, that uh, these are both New Brunswick missionaries. And uh, that's why she just said something about blatting and squalling and carrying on. I think think that's how she phrased it. Sister Lynn, when did you know and how did you know you were called to missionary work?
2: Well, I don't think I'm as smart as Sister Colleen because I must be a slow learner. (laughs) I mean, since I was a child as well, every missionary that came is like, oh, I just want to be like them. And I remember... Uh, At Life Tabernacle Mm -hmm. when we had the university students and um, my parents would have Them a lot of the people in the church would have them for Christmas dinner And so I grew up having Africans at my table for Christmas So I've often said to my parents, you know, it's your fault You exposed (laughs) me (laughs) to other cultures in Central America (laughs) (laughs) The Lord knows sister (laughs) But really, what happened with me was when Brad Thompson went to Guatemala and I went to visit, and I was there for three weeks, I think, and I just saw things that I could do to make a difference. I really didn't know that I would be a real missionary. Hmm. I was just going to go and stand in line at the bank and pay the bills and put gas in the car. That's what I thought. Obviously, the Lord had other plans, but... I'm honest, I really didn't see it coming. And I was there, I went on AIM. I filled out the application and went, never thought they'd really let me. And I got to go. And from there, that was 31 years ago. Oh, wow. And so I've been there since April 1st, 1989 is when I went on AIM. But the Lord just opened the doors. And I guess it took me a while to figure it out, but he really did call me.
0: You know, I, I I think both things happen here. You know, there are definite moments, uh, but for all of us, it's walking through doors that God opens, and as He opens them, you just you're willing to walk through. And um, l- let me read this one verbatim. Uh, this question, uh, because this is from my dear friend, Brother Jim Poitras, who works with Global Missions. Uh, he does such a great job, and so really, he's their boss. So I'm going to read this. Uh, um, he would probably say that's different, that he works for them. But um, Brother uh, Poitras says, love both of these ladies. Uh, Lynn, as you know, is responsible for me coming into the church. And the Thompson family is responsible for keeping me in the church. not that a wonderful thing? And then uh, this is amazing. Uh, he just texted again, I work for them. So they're the boss. I, kn- I knew he would. Uh, this is awesome because I knew you were working on something over there at the mission house. But he said, "Can Lynn give us a sneak preview of her book, Disaster Ministers?" Is that right? Yes.
2: yes. Oh, you
0: got to tell us about this.
2: So, as you tell, you can, you know, I've told so many stories about the crazy things that happened to me, right? So the Lord has been dealing with me for many, many years. And every deputation, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. So actually, these months here in the Mission House, we've actually been able to bring it together. And awesome. it's written, and it's, sort, it's the e-book is sort of ready. Um, I'm just trying to get the formatting down for the actual printed book. It's called Disasters Minister living in faith gotcha. through all of life's disasters. <laughs> um, so the carjacking story is there. The seven machine guns, the sleeping the night on the bridge between two countries, a couple of angel stories where literally the Lord was there with me in disastrous situations. Uh, some funny things, the snake stories, uh, There's about 15 or 20 different stories. But after each story, there's a lesson learned. So what I really felt, I learned through that adventure or disaster. And just kind of to encourage people that, you know, it's not always the worst because a disaster can minister. Mm.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Well, all of you that are watching online, that are faithful watchers of CCC, and those of you that are here tonight, uh, you remember that uh, Sister uh, Georgine Schaum wrote a book called Alan Was Away. Was awesome. Oh, my goodness. We sold scads of those here. Um, the, uh, so you've got to let us know, because people will be writing after this. In fact, we'll get emails probably tonight. When can I get a copy? Um, So you gotta let us know, but uh, that's an amazing thing. I'm very grateful for that, Lynn, because those stories need to be told. Um, One of the things that comes across so clear in Sister Shom's book, and I can tell just from hearing you say a little bit, is that God meets us best. It's the, the way I describe it is at the intersection of the ordinary and the supernatural. We're just going about our ordinary day. We're just doing ordinary things, but God steps in and and helps us. That's amazing. That's going to be a great book. I'm excited. I think we should get first dibs on that if she wrote part of it at the mission house, don't you think? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, We should get the first announcement, so you got to remember that. Um, Sister Colleen, what is the greatest miracle you've seen in your time as a missionary?
1: Oh, wow. Oh, how do you narrow it down to one? Um,
0: Tell us three.
1: Probably one of the most visible ones that you could literally see it take place. I was in the Upper East, and that is the very northern part of the nation of Ghana. And we were in a little village church, and a lady came with a very large growth to where she could not actually put her chin down. It was just this massive growth right there. And we prayed for her. And as the service went on, you could see it getting smaller and smaller and smaller (laughs) and smaller and smaller. (laughs) And by the time we were saying amen, um, if they actually do say an amen in an African service, um, it was gone. Wow. And so it was just amazing. It was, you know, sometimes healings are instant, but it was just such a faith builder to watch it throughout the four hour service that we had. And I'm not kidding in the heat, um, no fans, (laughs) 120 degrees probably in that little church of about 300 people. And the church would not be as big as this platform. Hmm. I'm sure. Um, And we would, we, they were just packed in there, stacked in there on top of pews. And it was just amazing to just watch it because you could literally see it with your eyes Mm. as it shrunk down and God healed her.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. That was, Uh, that's probably the one that stands out the quickest in my mind.
0: Absolutely. Um, with, with, with that said, I, I just want to, this is an interview, and I know, and, and we're not going to keep everybody forever. We've got a few more minutes left, but with that being said, uh, we'll go to Sister Lynn next, but I'd like to take a moment and pray because we prayed earlier for some people that are sick, and you may be uh, sick, and you may be watching. We've got people that are struggling with all kinds of uh, diseases and sickness, and in some case, they've got uh, growths that are in their body that are causing incredible pain and hurt and harm Mm -hmm. Let's take that wide shot, guys, of the platform, and I'd like you ladies to just extend your hands toward that camera right back there, and uh, if you're watching, I'd like you to just reach out with us, the people here in the building. We're going to pray for you, and I'd like you to reach out toward whatever kind of screen you're watching on, and I'd like to pray right now. Church that's here, let's lift our hands and let's pray. Just extend your hand toward that camera right there, ladies. Lord Jesus, right now. Jesus, you're no respecter of persons. God, what you can do in Africa, you can do in Canada. God, what you can do for a precious little lady in a crowded service In an African country, Jesus, you can do for somebody that's laying in a hospital bed right now. You can do for somebody that's at home and they're in excruciating pain. Wherever they are right now, I pray by the power of the Holy Ghost and in the mighty name of Jesus, let healing virtue flow tonight. Jesus, we will give you all the glory. Of course we will. All the praise. All the honor, because you are able to do exceeding abundantly above what we are able to ask or think. My goodness, there's a quickening in here right now, church. There's a quickening in this room right now. I know you feel it at home. Just let God minister to you wherever you are. I worship you, Jesus. Oh, I give you praise. Oh, I give you praise. Let's turn that prayer into a great praise here and at home. Let's give the Lord praise. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Oh, my. Wow. I feel that. Sister Lynn, follow up with that and just tell us about the greatest miracle you've ever seen, one of the miracles you've seen. I know there's been many, but just tell us about one and just let's build faith. Somebody's watching right now and they need these stories.
2: The one that comes immediately to mind was in Managua, Nicaragua. We were doing a children's ministry seminar. Sister Angie Clark was our speaker on kids' prayer and we asked if there was a child that would like to pray. We talked about how to pray, and a little girl came up, and Sister Lisa Shrekais, they were missionaries in Honduras at the time. Now they're in the Dominican Republic. She had a a ailment that for nine months, she could not lift her head. The muscles in her neck were atrophied, and neither could she lift her arm. And so her neck just sat here unless she could hold it up was the only way that she could manage. And so we called her in. She had gone to the pastor's house to lay down for much of the seminar. When we do a seminar, it's like from 7 in the morning till 10 at night on Friday. And then you start again in the morning on Saturday. And so this was Saturday morning. And so she'd come back in the building. And so we had a little girl go pray for her. And she took Sister Lisa's hands and she began to pray. And all she said was very simple prayer, was, Lord, you see the pain she's in, heal her in Jesus name. Basically, I don't remember the exact words, but it wasn't much more than that. And I actually took a picture. I peeked as she began to raise her hands uh-huh. and worship God and her lift her face towards heaven, God healed her right in uh-uh. front of us. Uh-uh. The presence of God filled that place. We had maybe 400 people Sister Angie says, does anyone else have a need? Well, I think all 400 people came to the front. Uh I mean, it was just whoosh and everybody was there. We saw more than 12 miracles happen. Mm -hmm. One lady came to the front and she said, my sister is on the operating room right now in Managua, Nicaragua, having open heart surgery. Can we pray? We prayed for her sister. She stood in place of her sister who was having the surgery. The, the news came back the next day, she had died on the table mm. and for some reason her heart began to beat again.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>
2: there were 12 miracles. Mm. Uh, there is a funny little part to it because I'm the missionary and I needed a picture from my newsletter. So <laughs> I ran for my camera and I when I tried to get back up on the platform to take pictures of all these miracles that were happening, there was massive people and I couldn't get there. And so there was a lady laying across the stairs. And so I needed a railing to get myself up on the platform. So I figured well, if I put my hand in the middle of her back, I can just kind of boost myself up on the platform and get my picture. But as I laid my hand on her back, I was like, well, she has a need. So I probably should pray. <laughs> so I said, Lord, you know, her need healer in Jesus name. And I just Got myself up on the platform and away i went and i took everybody else's picture well you know what happened (laughs) the next day we asked if there was anyone had a testimony and the little lady that had been laying across the stairs came and she said for 17 years she had several vertebrae out of place in her (laughs) back and she said god if someone would just lay their hand on my back i know (laughs) you would heal me and so as i laid my hand on her back She said she felt like a hot something hit her on Mm. the back and they literally snapped into Ah, place. She hadn't been able to bend over for 17 years. She had come to the seminar and ridden standing up on a bus for two days Mm -hmm. because she just wanted to be there. Ah. She couldn't sit. She could only stand or lay down. She spent the night sleeping on a piece of cardboard in the, the Bible school and she came that next day to testify that she had no pain. Wow.
0: God had healed Wow, her. wow, wow. Thank you Jesus. We need to lift up our hands you, and you at home. We need to ask thank God for that story. What a beautiful. If somebody can have the, the 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 desire of that little lady in the Bible that went to reach out for the hem of Jesus garment. That's what that lady had. And God can do it. God can touch. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I worship you, God. I know you feel it here in the building, and I know you feel it at home, wherever you're watching. There there is a touch of God on this mission service tonight. One more time, let's pray. Somebody's going to get a healing out of this mission service. Uh, We're going to have an offering, but somebody's going to get a healing. I speak to your sickness in the name of Jesus. I speak to that excruciating pain in the name of Jesus. And I command it to go. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. I worship you, God hasn't it been wonderful i know only the folks in the building can applaud so we can hear it but you can send a thumbs up or something from home on one of the social media feeds hasn't this been awesome to talk to these two ladies tonight thank you jesus uh we'll we'll pray one more time just a kind of a dismissal in just a moment um Again, uh, our purpose in having a mission service is to hear these wonderful faith building reports. And also, uh, CCC, we don't ask for money for ourselves. Um, you know, we, we never raise offerings for here because our, our folks are so faithful. And uh, those of you that are watching from the CCC family, you're so faithful. And, uh, but we do ask for money for missionaries all the time. And we're not the least bit inhibited to do that. These are two very worthy missionaries doing great works for God. And uh, so if uh, you can, uh, any of our uh, online, uh, go to capitalcommunity.ca slash give. You can give online anytime. Uh, It doesn't have to be tonight. And uh, you can call our church office anytime during the day. We're Atlantic Standard Time. And we're open Tuesday to Friday, 9 to 4. Uh, You can call and you can give that way. Uh, For the few folks that are in the building tonight, of course, you can give before you leave. Uh, already uh, tonight during the interview, uh, just online. We haven't taken an offering here in the building. Just online, we've had over $7,000 come in for these two missionaries, and we're so thankful to everybody that gave, and I know that that's not where it will end, but I'm so grateful for what's already been given. Ladies, would you stand with me here? And uh, one more time, let's everybody that's in the building, let's stand, and uh, let's pray one more time. I feel the healing virtue of the Holy Ghost in this service, a remarkable way let's lift up a praise to the Lord and let's pray together one more time before we go Lord Jesus what an honor it is to be in your presence what an honor it is to join my friends here and talk about your work around the world I thank you for Sister Colleen Carter. I thank you for Sister Lynn Jewett. I thank you for the countries, the souls, the ministers, the saints that they have collectively ministered to. I thank you, Jesus, that you've actually privileged us in such a great way. You've actually allowed us as a local church to be part of your great church around the world, to join hands with other saints and other pastors and other churches and invest financially in the great greatest thing on this planet, which is the work of God. I thank you for the faithful giving of your people here and in other great churches. I thank you. I pray you would return a blessing upon them for their heart to give and bless missions. And now we pause at the end of this wonderful service. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise and all the thanks and all the worship because it's all about you and it's all for you, Jesus. And we love you so much. Thank you for this night. Let your blessing rest on my sisters as they go on deputation. And God, you know what you are doing And I pray that remarkable doors, supernatural doors would open so they don't lose any ground or any time or any finance because of this virus situation. I pray you would bless them. And thank you for the privilege of allowing us to bless them tonight. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things and everybody shouted amen. Amen. What a beautiful night. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you in Jesus' name.